Thanks for joining us for today's message. We're always so encouraged to know that God is using this ministry to touch lives all around the world through what He's doing right here at Meadowbrook. So if that's you and you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please send us an email at godstories at nbcocala.org. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can do so by giving online. Thanks so much for joining us and prepare your heart to hear from God. Amen. Help me welcome the internet audience. God bless you guys. So glad you're with us. Peace to your house. You may be seated. You may be seated. How many of you um, read the Ocala Star Banner ever? Got it? Heard of it? Okay. And you can get it in print. You can get it online as well. Um, We used to get it all the time. And um, uh, now we we just get it um, online. Uh, Funny story about that number of years ago. I'll get to my point in a moment. I was riding with one of our deputies. And uh, it was about 2, probably about 3 in the morning. And... um, he noticed this car going in and out of businesses on Pine. And so sped up, pulled in behind, lit him up. And he, he said, you better stay here. So I stayed in the car. <laughs> he came back. He goes, it was the paper man. <laughs> <clears throat> so anyway, not on his watch, right? <laughs> so. Anyway, in today's uh, paper, Judy Foster, who is, uh, Judy's been a part of our body for a long, long, long time, and she is a missionary in Haiti. She is a modern-day gunslinger. She is, a, she is an apostle in our day, I think, and just her, her boldness in God and just her raw faith. She's just always had this raw faith, and um, she's down in Haiti doing an incredible work. And uh, they did a little write-up on her in the, in the paper this morning, so you want to check that out. And Judy is here. Judy, would you just stand? Let us love on you real quick. So. You are loved. Hey, and we're going to do something. I don't even know how to do this proper tonight, but I, I just feel like the Lord moved on my heart to do this. Um, we used to have these vases. You remember, any of y'all been here for a while? These vases, we call them vases for those of you that are fancy. But we're going to come up with some way to do this. Um, I, I want us to honor and bless Judy's work tonight. So at the end of the message, Alicia, somebody remind me, okay? And at the end of the message, I want us uh, financially to, and we support her every month. You support her every month. Um, but I just want to make sure she's boosted, all right? Hey, if you were in Haiti doing what she's doing, she's, she's fending off drug dealers that want her beach. You know? Yeah, it, yeah we'll, do it at, we'll do it at the end, but if you're going to make out a check, make it out to the church, and then we'll do, we'll do one big check to help Judy and what she's doing. Amen? I mean, that's a good, good idea. Now, that's a God idea right there. All right. Well, let's get into the Word tonight. And um, because of what we're going to do with Wednesdays, I'm actually going to now finish the year probably pretty much with eschatology. We were going to shorten up and do um, question and answer kind of thing, but we'll get to that because we've got from now until Jesus comes to to do Wednesdays, all right? So um, everybody say eschatology. Eschatology. Let me bring everybody up to speed. This is... winding up, I don't know, it may be a three-year series, but we're winding up a two-year on belief, which really has to do with this. 
um, systematic theology. Don't let that scare you at all. Theology is the study of, it's what we believe about God and the things of God. And then when you systematize that systematic theology, you kind of group in, in general what the Bible says about major topics. And so we've, we've been doing that now uh, for a good, good while. Um, the importance of this is in, this in these days that we live in, we are believers. Are you a believer tonight? Go ahead and say, I'm a believer. My concern about that is biblical illiteracy and that people don't know what they believe. They're a believer. I believe they're in the door. I, I believe that they, I believe in Jesus. But as a believer, we need to know what we believe, why we believe it, and be able to articulate what we believe. And so um, that's what we're doing is trying to, um, you know, boil all this down, present it to you so that you can hear this, learn this, receive this. And um, all of this is archived online so you can go back and, hey, what about this? What about that? You can go into, into those topics. Well, we're well on our way in this and we're in eschatology, which is, uh, anybody remember what eschatology is? It's last things, it's end times, but I want to present to you a perspective on that tonight, and then we're going to move on into something very, very exciting and important tonight. Um, I believe that eschatology, honestly, is not just about end times and last things. And I know that, you know, the word eschatology, how that's broke down leads to that, But really, when we look at an overview of what is presented to us scripturally as far as last things in times, it is more about hope. It's more about Christian hope. It it is more about what Christ will do in the end. Are you all hearing me? It's more about what he will do, that God is in control. Okay? This is less about us dividing out and trying to decide what's going to happen when. This is more about what I would call biblical hope. And uh, I want to hammer on that just a little bit. Biblical hope is not wishful thinking. It's not, oh, I hope that happens or I hope this happens. It is actually, it goes beyond just our word for hope. Generally in our uh, context, in our world today, when we say hope, uh, man, I hope my team wins, you know? And so there's real no basis. It's just some wishful thinking. But biblical hope is quite different. Um, how many of you know that a word can have several meanings? Yes. You know, like, um, you know, depending on how old you are, if something was bad, that means it was horrible. But then you fast forward a little bit and something bad, it's good. as good. <laughs> are, are you with me? And so hope, our hope is a, is a washed out, no basis, hope so kind of thing where biblical hope is, you ready for this? No so. Because it's based on this. God is in control. If we're going to learn anything out of eschatology, God is in control. Go ahead and say it. God is in control control. Now this may expand your thinking just a little bit tonight. God is even in control of those who are in control. Well, it sure don't look like it. Well, that's because you have a good Friday mindset and you're not thinking about resurrection Sunday. 
See, Good Friday, we can only call it Good Friday in retrospect. Because on Good Friday, it was like, are you kidding? Everything we had hoped for, gone, done. So dark, so heavy, they forgot what he said. And, and then some of them chose to not even believe what he said about, but on the third day, I will what? I will arise. So our hope, our hope is not Good Friday hope. Our hope is Resurrection Sunday hope. Are y'all with me? That, so God is in control. Say it again. God is in control. And, and get this. God is even in control of those who are in control. And they think they're in control. And so because we have biblical hope that God is in control and God is even in control of those who are in control, we do not panic. John Osteen, who's now passed, father of Joel Osteen, he used to say this, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Let me go ahead and tell you, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. And that is a biblical hope and that causes us to not all, we got to slice and dice when this happened, that happened, this blood moon, blah, blah, and, and, and going on and on. You know, it is, it is, God is in control and it is beyond my faith. It is beyond my prayers. This is what Christ will do to establish his eternal kingdom and nothing will stop that. Are y'all here, man? Nothing will stop that. So I could really go on on that tonight, but I want to get to where we're headed. We've just got to keep our focus right on this. And thank God that right now we are in the age of grace. Um, the important thing, and I'll say this now, I'll say it during the message, I'll say it at the end of the message, is how we live now. And if you approach eschatology wrong, you're going to be doing this number. And that's not what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be doing this number and this number and this number. And, and it's not this all the time. It's, it's putting our hand to the plow. It's serving others. It's serving God. It's bowing our knee. It's, 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 it's how we live now. Instead of, where, well, what if, what if, what if, and, and all of that type of thing. Um, how we live now. Do not get stuck, hear me, believers, do not get stuck in arguments about what's going to happen and when it's going to happen and all those things. And let me just say this too, post-blood moon. I'm, I'm serious, I'm disturbed even. Do not get on bandwagons. Do not get on bandwagons and don't chase trends. And be careful of new books about new everything. Look at me. There's nothing new. And you probably right now could get a pretty deep discount on some of the... (laughs) Some of those books. And and my, my problem with all of that is it makes believers look foolish to the world. It causes young believers to become cynical of his coming again. And it messes with people's hope. And so it's, here's what we do. God is in control. Events and the timeline are God's. 
You and I won't change it one, one bit. It's God's. He appointed times, days, seasons. He set it up. What are we to do? What are we to do? I know, we'll come up with a book. No, we're going to do what he told us to do in his book. And that is how we are to live. Amen? All right. Well, uh, let's go to our chart real quick. All right, now this first happened in March of, no, I'm not going to do it. Ages passed, and these are the biggies in history of mankind. Um, do you have the other chart, actually? I'm talking to a TV. Do you ever talk to your TV at home? Can you go, do you have the other chart loaded? TV guy? Okay. All right, we're going with this chart. The first coming, church age. We are in the church age or the age of grace. We talked about that. We don't know where we're at in this. Every generation since people became believers has believed that Jesus would come in their lifetime. I believe this. I believe that's part of the design of how he set it up. We've spent the last few weeks talking about the rapture we believe from Scripture, a pre-tribulation rapture. There are many reasons for that from Scripture. And like I always say, and beyond what I see in Scripture, I sure hope so. Okay? So we're somewhere in the church age. I believe we're closer to the rapture than the first coming. Um, And when the rapture occurs, I want to show you something here in just a moment. After that will be an approximate seven-year tribulation followed by a 1,000-year millennial reign and then some other events and then the ages to come. Now, you can only believe this if you also believe, and we looked at this, if you believe that Jesus Christ died, was raised again, and is the Son of God. And we looked at Scripture for that. If you don't believe that, then you're not going to believe this. And one of the real signs of last days is scoffers, which is like, wow, no. And so we don't want to be a scoffer. We don't want to just swallow something hook, line, and sinker. So that's why we're staying real close with scripture. Now, what I want to show you tonight is when the rapture of the church comes. And again, we've talked about this the last couple of weeks. The next event I believe that will happen, we don't know exactly but one of the events will happen, and this seems to follow what, what logically would happen, is there be a, the judgment seat of Christ. And that's what we want to talk about tonight. And the judgment seat, because this is where we actually get cleaned up for the marriage supper. So I don't think this would be before this. And then we come back with him. He comes for us, meets us in the air, takes us. Um, I don't know the actual time line because we're actually, you know, caught up here, marriage supper, Christ's glorious appearing millennial reign. So tonight, I want to talk to you about the judgment seat of Christ. Let's go ahead and put that up. Judgment seat of Christ. Sounds a little scary, uh, but let's look at this. Romans chapter 14, verse 10. Paul says, why do you judge your brother? How many of you know that we're not qualified to be judges? Now, let me qualify that just for a moment because we do have several judges that attend the church. And you guys are good. 
okay? You're awesome. May I never come to your office. But why do you judge your brother? We, why do we judge each other? We're not supposed to. Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all, everybody say all. We shall all stand before the, here we go, the judgment seat of Christ. Go ahead, verse 11. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Verse 13. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in your brother's way. So we are not to judge each other. I don't think that got out yet. Um, We are not to judge each other. Scripture says no longer do it. Just stop it. We must start to see each other, and this is not the message tonight, but this is a message right here. We must see each other as bearers of the image of God, however distorted it might be in a person. You don't know their story. And this is a real revelation uh, for me in recent years. If I had had to live their story, I don't know what I would be like. I don't know how I would be dealing with things. I'd like to think, oh, I would have voted. Yeah, you don't know. You don't know if you haven't lived their story. So here's what we do. Instead, we kind of judge ourselves and make sure we're not doing anything to cause them to stumble. All right? Let's keep going. Um, In uh, the judgment seat is uh, a an event after the rapture for believers, okay? So it's after the rapture, it's for believers. Let's look in John chapter five, verse 24. Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. So, But wait a minute, Pastor, you just said that we're going to come before the judgment seat of Christ. Well, it's a different judgment, okay? And we're going to see this in just a moment. Um, So you have the judgment seat, which is an event for believers after the rapture. And then there will be an approximate 1,000 years. And at the end of the 1,000 years, there's going to be, and don't confuse these, the great white throne judgment. Okay, that's after the millennium, and that is for unbelievers. And too common, people overlay the rapture over the second coming and get it confused. And too common, people overlay the judgment seat of Christ with um, the great white throne judgment. Just as the rapture and the second coming are two separate things, judgment seat of Christ and the the, uh, great white throne judgment are two separate things. So judgment seat of Christ is for believers. Uh, Great white throne judgment is for unbelievers. And two different levels of judgment. Now, the judgment seat of Christ is about rewards. Okay, it's about rewards or loss of rewards. The, The word for judgment seat in the Greek is bima. You don't have to remember that, but it is a a place 
a place of judgment. It is a pedestal. It is like a stool or rostrum. How many of you have watched the Olympics before? Three of you. There you are. Okay. How many of you have watched the Olympics before? Okay. All right. After an event is over, then they go to, literally in this sense, a judgment seat. It's about rewards, though. It's about rewards. And you got the gold, the silver, and the bronze, and the also-rans, okay? And so it is a place where you receive reward or you don't receive reward. Um, Let's go to second. uh, Actually, I'm going to skip on down here. Let me say that at this point, sin is not the issue. Okay, at the judgment seat of Christ, sin is not the issue. Look at me. Jesus is the issue. You'll see in a second. He's the issue, and he is also the solution for sin. So when Jesus said in John chapter 5 that if you believe his word, you believe in him who sent him, that you are now a believer, you have passed from death to life, and you'll not come to judgment. You're not going to come to great white throne judgment, that type of judgment. This is a different type of judgment. It has to do with rewards. Can we go on down to 1 Corinthians chapter 3? 1 Corinthians 3. According, Paul says, according to the grace of God which was given to me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. Okay, so this is like, think of a a structure, a house. But let each one, say that's me, let each one take heed how he builds on it. This is huge. Read this line with me. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. Go ahead, verse 11. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. This is about Jesus. Verse 12. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation, what foundation? Jesus Christ. If he builds on this foundation with gold, note this, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. Bear that in mind, we'll come back to it. Verse 13. Each one's work will become clear. For the day, reference judgment seat of Christ, will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. I'll stop there real quick. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. Go ahead, verse 14. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures... He will receive a a reward. Verse 15. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But, get this, he himself will be saved. Yet so as through fire. So, it's a metaphor. We don't, you know, I doubt there's going to be, you know, Jesus on a throne and some angels with flamethrowers. See what happens to him. Uh, It's a metaphor, okay? I I don't know. Um, It's giving us a picture, though, that what we build with our lives, we're going to choose building materials. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. It'll be tried as if by fire. 
Well, if you put gold, silver, or precious stones in fire, it will refine them. If you put wood, hay, or straw in fire, it goes up in smoke. And so what, what's the end, though? Whatever endures after that test of fire, if there's anything that endures, it was done with the right materials, there's reward. If not, puff, poof, okay? Yet, you yourself would be saved. Yet as though by fire. So it may look like you just ran through a wall of fire, but you're saved. Because this is for believers and your salvation and your entrance to heaven was never based on your works. It's on the foundation of Jesus Christ and his blood alone, not your works. But yet once he saves us, he wants us to do what is pleasing for him and fruitful for his kingdom. Okay? Now, let's look in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And this is in the Amplified Bible. Therefore, whether we are at home on earth and away from him, or away from home and with him, we are constantly ambitious and strive earnestly to be pleasing to him. Can we get an amen? amen. I mean, shouldn't that be our bottom line? Shouldn't you tell God every day, I want to please you today? And you know what? He's not like people in your family, perhaps, that you can never please them. Or your boss, you can never please them. Or your customers, you can never please them. You know? And, and whatever your life may be. He's not like that. He... But this should be our goal. He's already pleased with you. He already accepts you. He already loves you. You can't turn that off. But we are to live in a life that we know is a delight to him, that we are pleasing him and doing what he's asked us to do. Verse 10. For we must all appear and be revealed as we are before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive his pay, his reward, according to what he has done in the body. Now, uh, there we go. Whether good or evil. What we have done in the body, that's what's judged. Whether it's good or evil, watch this carefully, considering what his purpose and motive have been, I'll come back to that, and what he has achieved, been busy with, given himself and his attention to accomplishing. So this is about your, leave this verse up for a moment, your purpose, your motive. Now never, Wednesday night crew would never do this. But some people would maybe do good to somebody to be seen. So is their motive gold? Might be straw. Now, to some people, it looked like, well, look, they, get, they did a good thing. But this is, this is what God will see because he judges our hearts. He's going to see if it's good or evil on his standard because he's able to see, know the thoughts, the intents, the purpose, the motive. Did you do something to be seen? Did you do something so you could look good? Did you do something so you could leverage some favor? Or did you do something because, God, I want to please you and I want to help somebody? And so... We must realize that you and I are capable of using any or all six of the building materials. It is possible that you did some gold and silver stuff today. 
It's also possible you probably did some sticks and straw today. All of us, for real. And so we have to make it our... And and look at this. Uh, What have you been busy with? What have you been busy with? What are you giving yourself to and your attention uh, to accomplishing? We have to pay attention to this. Our thoughts, our words, our deeds, our energy, our effort, our attention. Are these worthwhile endeavors? Look, Look in verse 13 here. 1 Corinthians 3, 13. Also in the Amplified. The work of each one will become plainly, openly known, shown for what it is, for the day of Christ will disclose and declare it. Um, The fire, again, notice this, it's the works that are being tested. It's not you. It's the works that are being tested here. And fire cannot burn the foundation, which is Jesus Christ. And fire will not burn up the gold, the silver, the precious stones. The other, like I said, will be burned up and go up in smoke. Look in verse 14. Uh, If anyone's work which he has built on endures, he will receive a reward. So if it makes it through the fire, follow the metaphor there, there's reward for that. So let's imagine that you did something to help somebody. We've got serve week coming up in a little bit. Uh, Are you going to do serve week just because we're we're supposed to and look dumb? I'll look like I'm a heathen if I don't show up and do this. So I'm going to go help. Hello, straw man. You know? So maybe you did something for somebody today, you know, and and your heart was, I just want to help them. You know, I, I... however little or big it was, whether somebody noticed or not, I just, I just, I want to do that, God, because I want to please you and help people. Please you, help people. Please you and help people. And if that's just burned on the inside of us, I want to please you and I want to help people. Then when you do that, and then when that is tested later on at the judgment seat of Christ, if it makes it through the fire, there's reward. Now, I won't make this the whole point here tonight. What are you going to do with rewards in heaven anyway? You're going to lay them at his feet. You're going to lay them at his feet. And I would just hate to come up and looking like, you know, I was the chimney sweep. (laughs) And say to Jesus, I got nothing. (laughs) Right? I want to have something. Plus, I don't want to go face to face with Jesus and everything was nothing. I want, I want to be able to make a difference here, please him, help people, and then at the end be able to have something to lay at his, at his feet. And let me, did we just do 14? Yeah. Um, this is not like a lot of things on earth where everybody gets a gold star and a trophy just for signing up. No, this is you day in and day out. This is why you got to wake up and give it to God and reset during the day. And at the end of the day, close it down, give it to God. You got to live for him, not just on Sunday, not just on Wednesday. I'm living for you. I want to please you and I want to help people. I want to please you and I want to help people. And at the end, end of it all, then there's some reward that we can lay at his feet. Let's look in verse 15. Only a few more moments. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. Yet so as through fire. 
Because, again, salvation in heaven were never based on your works, okay? And what is being tested here is your works. This is about what you do with your life. This is about what you do with your gifts. This is about what you do with your T4, your time, your talent, your treasure, your touch. This is about what you do when raising your kids and what you do with your family and, and what you do with your business and what you do with your with how you handle things and relationships. It's all about how we handle those things and making sure that we're not wasting them, making sure that our motives are right, making sure that our heart is good. Um, And I want to touch on one thing. We are, and this is just to bring a little um, clarity here, we are right now the body of Christ. We are not yet the bride of Christ, okay? And that brings some confusion because Ephesians talks about, uh, let's do the Ephesians verse real quick here, Ephesians 5, 27, that he might present her, and in the context here, the church, his bride, to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Okay, leave that up just for a moment. Um, I've heard this misquoted too often, that Jesus is coming back for a church that is without spot or blemish or wrinkle. That's not what it says. Because if he's waiting to come back for a church without spot, wrinkle, or blemish, (laughs) forgive my grammar, he ain't coming. (laughs) He ain't, all right? He will, listen, he is coming back to take us up. And then we are cleaned up, so to speak, through judgment seat of Christ. And then he will present her to himself, a glorious church. He will present to himself a bride. We are the body right now. We're the body. Later we will be the bride. And I promise you, it'll be a beautiful thing. And we, the bride, will be without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, holy and without blemish. Amen. Well, let's go back and um, 2 Corinthians 5. I'll read this and we'll close here. Listen, maximize your life. Okay, stop it with watching what's, you know, there's, there's going to be signs, there's, there's going to be seasons. There's going to be events. But don't get caught up in all, all of that. That has nothing to do with anything we can control. We don't know what they fully mean. What are we to do? Maximize your life. Surrender yourself to Jesus, the foundation. Build on the foundation. And be careful what you choose to build. We're having some work done at our house, some... Uh, maintenance work around our house and we're making sure as I talk to the guy that's that's doing the work said I, I want to make sure this is going to last so I don't want just the cheapest materials let's get something that's going to last are you with me and so let's not just you know hey we did a little something let's put our all let's maximize our life let's build with gold silver precious stones so that we can please him and we can help some people. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 9 and 10. Therefore, whether we are at home on earth away from him 
or away from home and with him. We are constantly ambitious and strive earnestly to be pleasing to him. Verse 10. For we must all appear and be revealed as we are before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive his pay according to what he has done in the body. I I would just love for all of us to finish strong and finish well, having maximized our life, bearing much fruit for God. And so that one day we stand before him with reward. I've thinking and praying about this even today. I said, God, I, I, I know there's things in my life throughout my life, even throughout ministry that was sticks, hay, whatever, you know, and, but God forgive. And, and hopefully as we grow in him and increase in him and maximize our life in him, we're doing a better job of picking the right stuff, having the right heart, having the right motives, stop judging people and realize, you know what? I'm going to please God. I'm going to help people because one day we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Amen. Did y'all get anything at all out of that tonight? All right.